Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. 11 wins in 34, two wins in eight. A cracking start by Joe Lumley, and we discuss Boris' performance at Reading. We speak to Don Shaw from the Gazette around Neil Warnock's tenure, and we chat to opposition fans from Sheffield United and Hull City. This is the Boris Breakdown podcast, and this is all your master chat in a pod. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast with Johnny Dana, and for this week only the return of Elliot Venice. Elliot, welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast. It's been a hot minute. Thank you very much, Johnny. I'm uh, I'm glad to be back with you guys, and uh, hope we've uh, got a fun episode in store. The throwback, it's a throwback, isn't it? A real the OGs would remember the nine, OGs. Yeah, nine, nine months it's been. Yeah, nine months really. Wow. Uh, but yeah, with Tom this week, he's currently fighting Alexander Usyk for the. <laughs> for the heavyweight title <laughs> well it's on the Mossberg Stadium but we've got Tom Slaughter coming on the podcast too but in the early kickoff on Saturday Alan Halovich's goal was enough to give Reading a 1-0 win over the Borough and now Borough have 9 points from 9 games uh, Dana I normally ask you for 3 words but this is a safe haven for you tell me how you feel how do I feel well <laughs> After the game yesterday, I spent my time making a fan cam of I Talk Aranka with the background music Adele rolling in the deep. So yeah, I'm fine. Oh, so is this I Talk back? Oh, no, no, no. But it's just good to rem- reminisce on the good times, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't, me and Tom have got, got a bit more work to do, haven't we? So what else? <coughs> how do you feel? Because you know it was a poor game yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, I think the only benefit to Borough fans this year is that. Um, you can actually have a drink at least at the home games if you're there um, to your get you benefit. through. benefit, <laughs> yeah, because at least last year, last year where we were terrible as well, you have to just kind of sit and watch it at home, and you just kind of it's kind of depressing. <coughs> but um, yeah, alcohol sees me through. I think um, concourse, Elliot shakes hands. No, but yeah, it, it was a very poor game yesterday, and I th- I just don't know where Borough are going really at the moment, and I'm just disappointed. I just 
hit being a poor fan at times. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the summary, like you can just end it there if you want. But, um, but yeah, that, that's that's my, my feelings. Well, going into Saturday's game, no championship team had conceded more goals per game than Reading, faced more shots, faced more shots from open play, faced more shots from set pieces, and the Royals had the worst expected goals I get record in the league and hadn't kept a clean sheet in 12 games. Q Borough, two shots on target, and Joel Lumley had the second highest XG uh, on the pitch, <laughs> just behind Matt Crooks. <laughs> yeah. um, Q Dana, how would, how would you assess the game against Reading? Because that just screams typical Borough, what I just said. Yeah, and I mean, I will add to that, Joel Lumley accounted for two of our six shots at goal in that game. And I must um, point out, if anyone didn't know, that Joel Lumley is our goalkeeper. So I think that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? I mean, we've spoken in recent podcasts about a lack of game plan. I do think that we had one, at least for the first five, ten minutes. It was to punt long diagonals up towards Isaiah Jones. But then it just felt as though Reading sort of sussed us out and their right back, Tetek, did fantastically well against Jones. There's actually a stat that I found after the game that Jones didn't have one successful dribble and basically Tetek didn't didn't allow it. He won all of his tackles and they were all against Jones in that first half. So I think it was very obvious very quickly what Borough were trying to do to do and then we just we didn't really have an answer to it we didn't really have a counter move to them countering us and um really disappointed there was basically no midfield um the, the amount of gaps I think at one point I think it was about the 18th minute Sparrow comes so far deep to pick up the ball and he's our striker it was just there was no midfield um I don't think we got Tav on the ball anywhere near enough it was just it was a really really glum afternoon I think is probably the best way to describe it would you agree it was a glum afternoon in all respect? Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there was much of a, uh, a look in that I thought we were going to score, to be honest. The, the match facts came up in the second half, I think around 60, 70 minutes, and we hadn't had a touch in the opposition box. I think we'd had one shot. Um, so as I did a count from there, I think we maybe had I think we had one where Crooks laid it off to Fierro, I think, on the edge of the box. Um, and the last couple of touches that we had in the in the box for like the last couple of minutes obviously but um yeah it it was weird like i said when when dana mentioned there with no game plan um i feel like we don't have that and i know a lot of people shout out about tactics these days but i don't feel like neil hornock has tactics i feel like he just has um beliefs and and certain like principles in his gameplay but he doesn't set out in a, a certain way for, for game plans he just kind of he's he's a he's a man manager and motivator rather than a tactician and yeah, the, the game's passing him by, I think, in, in that respect. Um, so the two shots on target yesterday, so you were saying that Neil Walters have tactics, but why do you think Borough are struggling to create chances then, especially against a side that had no defenders and three, well, mainly midfielders at the back and full backs and then three makeshift mid, uh, midfielders playing in different positions as well. So, But why do you think Borough create, struggle to create the chances? I just think we got sussed out early on, as Dana mentioned there with Isaiah Jones. I think they've, they've, you know, they've clearly looked at who's been our biggest threat so far this season which has been Jones he's been you know electric in in uh, the home games that I've been to this season and um, he's clearly our most creative outlet so if you nullify that and then the players don't pick up on it quickly enough to kind of go a different route um, you know go Tav's side Tav's more than capable of knocking it past a couple of players then um, you're not going to create so yeah um, is there anything that Borough could have done differently maybe <laughs> be better <laughs> no, just, um, just do better <laughs> yeah um 
a lot of things all over the pitch, really. Um, I, d- I don't feel like chance creation has that been that much of a problem overall this season. I mean, yesterday it was, but I feel like overall we've had quite exciting games, even though we've came out on the wrong end of them. I feel like we've created a lot of chances. I think last week against um, Blackpool, we hit the, the crossbar twice, didn't we? So, uh, yeah, I don't think that's been too much of a problem, but if you have defensive issues and then you add in the, the chance creation side of the game, if you can't do that as well, then... Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be terrible. So, uh, I thought we put a strong enough team out to to get a result. Um, so I don't know. I think a lot of we've got to work on actually building a tactic rather than just like throwing people out there to give it to Jones and and try and hope for the best because it's it's not gonna work. That's a good point, actually. Sorry about the the team. I think it was a dyke still away from being the best team that we've name this season and I did I did have high hopes but you look at the way that we approach games and there's nobody in midfield offering themselves up you could say that this is a personnel issue but it isn't for me this has been a problem while Snow Warnock's been a manager that we bypass the midfield completely and we did it again yesterday and we have the the benefit of ball playing midfielders that want to get on the ball but they're not offering themselves up for it because I feel like it's clearly a tactic not to do so because you see those sort of switches and and the punts into the channels. That's really all we do, to Mm. be honest. And uh, I put a setup about Borough's second halves. I know that this was in a home context, but I think that how poor we are in second halves can probably be said in, in away games as well. And I think it co- it comes down to a lack of a plan B, maybe, or tactical flexibility. I don't think we have it. Well, I was just going to ask you, Dana, like around Reading yesterday and how controlled they were across the pitch. And for me, I thought it was due to their more compact shape, trying to make things a little bit more difficult. They've got a few players in different positions, so it's important to keep things tight. Do you think that maybe played a part in why Reading looked so in control of the game yesterday or do you think there was more to it? Well, I think it helps that they had the majority of their team were midfielders. Um, I mean, they were pulling the strings, to be fair. I think uh, Danny Drinkwater and uh, John Swift in particular, 16, 48 successful passes respectively. If you look at Borough, Paddy McNair had the most with 48, um, but 16 of those were to Dill Fry beside him. So, you know, ironically, that was our second most frequent passing combination behind Fry to Baller. Um, and that's all we were really doing. We passed it along the defence. But then when it comes to the midfield, Housen was um, receiving the ball a lot and passed the ball a lot. But, I mean, Martin Piero had 19 touches of the ball, received the ball nine times. It's just... we they they were dictating the game really and and it i think it it came through Danny Drinkwater and and John Swift who had two really good games um respectively yeah um well we've we've i'm going to come to Martin Pajero in a second dinner but with the man marking system as well it reared its head once more i know you're not a big fan of it and house and losses man is it time we we tweaked it is it is it was it time to ditch it all together cuz i'm looking ahead to Sheffield United already and it, it petrifies me Yeah, I feel like all you need to do now is to look at the opposition and to see which players have good off-the-ball movement or have good pace, and then they're immediately the the danger men. And, yeah, I mean, the second goal... I'm not a huge fan of Housen, but Piero didn't cover himself in glory. Dill Fry came out um, to to attend to Junior Hoylet, then Paddy McNair steps out, and it's just a mess. And you should never have a situation where you've got Lee Peltier in the box 
basically marking two players. Um, it was a, a two against one in Reading's favour in the box. And yeah, I mean, the, the finish was rather fortuitous for Halilovic. I think he kicks it twice. But this man marking system is just so easy to cut us open. And I, it's, it just seems like something that Warnock is very intent on having. But it's costing us goals, it's costing us points. And in regards to your question, to answer your question, should we tweak it or should we ditch it? I think you've got to at least tweak it because we're just not benefiting from it. And as I mentioned before, it's it's now well, it's, it's well into the the realms of counterproductive. Mm. It's definitely counterproductive. I think with the way Borough are playing at the moment and the way teams are are starting to find us out, they're just trying, they're just finding little pockets of space, a little overload here and there, and. If you switch triangles, off, yeah. If you yeah. switch off for a second, well, if, if, so, if someone gets dragged out of position because they're marking, then you easily just you know someone just moves to that spot where the player was. If Bowler moves over because he's chasing someone who is man marking, then you know normally you know you say you should sh- shift over a little bit to kind of block that empty space. But if he follows him like to the other side of the field and Bowler ends up in right midfield, then. You're and that has compl- happened yeah, this season. Yeah, it has, it has. And you're completely yeah. out of sorts. So I'm all for doing it a little bit if he, you know, if bowlers are clearly the, the person who was closest to him and he tracks him for a little bit. And then you kind of shift him off onto someone else if it's not really any immediate danger. Because um, you just, you end up with the team just all over the place. Mm, it does seem like it, the, there is mass confusion almost. And <clears throat> I know I, I nitpicked Johnny House and I, I put a blog post up on WordPress after the QPR game, in which I think everybody knows him. He probably knew himself that he had a really bad, he had a stinker in that game. But the amount of times he's cost us, and I, I, I specifically noted it after the Fulham game, the first game of the season, this is what I said. I said, Johnny House and often lost Fabio Carvalho and the man marking, but this was down to clever movement from the Fulham playmaker. Worth keeping an eye on, though. The amount of times that I've seen Johnny House and switch off is ridiculous. And it... <laughs> I hate this sort of point scoring almost, but if Jed Spence did that, he'd be pretty much personally driven to Hartlepool. Why at Hartlepool? <laughs> I don't know. It was just don't first, don't first. disrespect <laughs> Dave Challoner's men like that. <laughs> first, well, Stockton Town, that was his Stockton. Um, but it's like, I don't feel like Howson is good enough in this man-marking system. I think he switches off too much. Yes, you can say um, he's sort of up against it because he's in a lone midfield role, but he's played in a midfield too before this season, and he struggled as well. Yeah, if you're going to do it, you need like you need eleven and Golo Cantes all over the pitch. Yeah. Um, as you know, Schneepy with unbelievable work rate um, and concentration, and yeah, we've got some players who can do it better than others, but. We've seen that it just clearly isn't working because you see where the space comes from. And you, even yesterday, it wasn't really from from a marking perspective. But when they got in behind, um, I don't know if it was John Swift, was it? And he had that shot where he had like loads of time on oh, the ball. Oh yeah, because space, um, yeah. And you know they the, the fluffed it, but yeah, just that type of how can you have that much space? It, it baffles me. Do you think he struggles maybe with the, when you had the likes of Pajero playing yesterday? You know, he was looking to get more on the front foot a little bit more. Do you think that maybe exposed Howison to, to some extent? Yeah, Piero didn't help. There was times where he, even in the attacking phases, he could have dropped deep to receive it. But, I mean, as I mentioned, it's it's an easy excuse almost because... It's timing of, of the criticism. It's probably not best for me to criticise Johnny Housen after that game yesterday because everyone keeps saying, well, he was a long midfielder, he was isolated, etc., and he was doing a lot. Yeah, I understand that. But we have seen him in a midfield too 
Paddy McNair played alongside him and Sam Morsey as well, and he has switched off of that man marking. So I think it's just, I mean, it's difficult to just blame House and Sawley, and I will say that there's other players that um, have sort of not benefited from this man marking system, but that triangle of the centre halves, be it Grant Hall, Dill Fry, or um, Paddy McNair, and then Housen is a very dangerous against us. Um, and I think that needs rectifying for me. So would you suggest maybe playing a double pivot, maybe? <laughs> maybe. I mean... Because <laughs> it doesn't... Look, it does, at the moment, you look at Borough's uh, heat map or, like, play, like <coughs> average positions, the, the the double pivot's never really there. It's just kind of like... Yeah, Borough are technically playing, like, a 4-1-4 whatever because 4-1-4-1, but it doesn't really feel like that because it feels like we don't even have a strike on the, pit, on the pitch <laughs> at the moment. But, like... It's it's with, with that you've got I think you've, you've got to be you, you see it now with um, Calvin Phillips at Leeds he does get exposed quite frequently but they always have the the runners to kind of you know protect it to some extent but I think with with Bury we just don't seem to have that and it just it's just a little overload here and there like you were saying the man marking system doesn't help because positionally we're all apart I think there was a there was a point yesterday that Lee Peltier was the highest player. Uh, highest position player on the pitch um, above Spira. Um so like it it's it doesn't really seem to fit like I was saying that I think you were saying there right? I think you're absolutely spondy maybe a tweak maybe a potential shift in system because when you're like against a Yukanovic team on, on Tuesday night they're going to cause overloads they're going to rotate formation they're going to move from a 4 3 one to a 4 3 3 and they'll make things really difficult for us, and it, it could be a bit of a thumping if we're not if we don't get it right. To be honest, but now that I've said that, typical Borough win three 0 and we'll all, we'll all go <laughs> home at me. Um, but Denny, you've alluded to him a couple of times. And I feel like I keep coming to you, but it, uh, Ellie, you do have a few questions. Don't worry, I've got a few questions up your sleeve. Thanks, man. Um, but <laughs> Martin Pajero, first league start. You said he didn't really help himself, so how do you think he coped in the game? Yeah, it was. I mean, his performance was a bit of an anticlimax, but I'm not. I'm not going to criticise him too much. It's as I mentioned, he he receives the the fewest amount of passes in the game, and and to be fair, he was getting into some good positions, particularly just before he came off. He was that was when he was starting to drop deep. Um, but I mean, it, it's fine. It's going to come with games. I have no doubts that Martin Pierre will um, improve. Um, I just feel as though, yeah, defensively, yeah, he could have helped Johnny Housen out, but I mean, he's an attacking player at the end of the day, isn't he? And and you really want to see him affect the the play at the top of the pitch. Um, understand that he's a midfielder; he has to sort of do both sides. But I just can't help but feel that in a, in another team, in a more progressive team, we just let him play. Um, and you know, let Johnny Howison do his thing. Do you think that Pujero Ellis uh, could be a more of a number ten, or would you like to see him more of a deep lying midfielder? Uh, yeah, I think possibly a number ten. Um, I think if, if he's deep lying, then he's got that uh, what we what we've heard of him of being sort of a ball carrier. Um, but I think what I sort of seen from him yesterday, um, <laughs> I know that it's kind of a a cliche almost that people say you need to get up to speed with the league and everything like that. I think it was more the other way around um, in that he was giving away quite a lot of fouls and tackles and I feel like people just assume that people are soft in South America because of Messi or whatever that they're just going to go, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, it is quite a, a tough league and uh, the the fouls that are given here are a lot softer. Um, I think he was getting quite frustrated that he just thought he was, you know, he was putting in fair challenges and he was getting drawn back a lot. Um, but 
I think it's it's hard to criticise him after just you know one league start. Um, I think we've got to to see more from him, but he'll probably get dropped now and he won't play for five games. So, <laughs> yeah. Neil, well, well I play I play him now, fans. So now you're happy. Now, now you've seen Pajero, I'm never going to play him again. Yeah. Um, but how many games do you think it'll take Pajero to fully bed in then? I mean, I, th- I feel like it, it, uh, this bedding in thing, I don't think, I think it's a bit of a myth anyway. Um, I think just because he's had a bad game yesterday doesn't mean he's, he's sort of not bedded in. I mean, to obviously gel with the team and have uh, um, a comfortable foothold on maybe the language and, and where he lives and, you know, becoming a, a social, you know, joining the social group with the team um, takes a bit of time. But, you know, footballing-wise, when you're out on the pitch, I think they're kind of just... It, you, you forget about all that anyway. You, you're there playing for your teammates, and if you're a good footballer, you know how to play. That's just how it is. And um, you know, the championship's still a decent level of football wherever you wherever you've came from in the world. So he's clearly good enough. But um, yeah, that's so that, that's not really a, a full answer to your question. But I don't think there's like a, a bedding in period. I think he's he should be in and around the first team a lot more than than he has been already. Do you like what you've seen so far? From, uh, from from the glimpses, yeah, maybe? yeah, snippets here and there, yeah. Uh, um, I feel I feel like he's been okay, but you know, what can you say when the the whole team's performing poorly and, mm. and we lose the game? That's it's a good point. It, yeah. Mm. Well, let's chat about his, his midfield counterpart in, in Matt Crookson because red card yesterday. Neil Warnock said in his post match press conference that Borough coming in the game at that time. Firstly, do you think the red card was was harsh? Yeah, yeah, slightly. Um, I don't think he meant to to do. I mean, I know like a lot of cards and fouls these days there's not much malice in them I don't think people intend on it um, but I still think it was a bit harsh I don't think he'd really caught the goalkeeper all that much um, but at least with him out <laughs> this is kind of a um, a bit of a weird one to say but I guess with him out pierre has got a chance of actually getting more starts but Crooks has been decent this season so mm. Lee Peltier can play in, in that role if you want <laughs> yeah not having Lee Peltier or Martin Craney as, as I referred to him yesterday he's literally the next Martin Craney um, he's not playing midfield for us all it's a heavy shirt to pass on that Martin Craney role you know it's wait a, they did have the same takes... number they do have the same they number do don't the they, same they number, do 14 yeah. ah, well there you go the, mm, there we go the we've, Martin, we've clocked it the Martin Craney show lives on with Lee really Peltier <laughs> Scooby Zoo <laughs> 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 Martin Crane. Can't wait at least that Luton next year only scores against us. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that game. Just Martin Crane, what what a talent in football. Honestly, those those were the days where you knew you were grinding out result after the third minute. And <laughs> you just see just see we'd score straight away and the Martin Crane would just look up and then he'd get the wink off uh, Tony Pulis and he'd just start doing his warm up for eighty seven minutes <laughs> and then he'd come on for the final four. <laughs> What a talent! Um, but Tom, uh, I want to call it Tom Nails. Um, post game, obviously, I mentioned it there. Warnock said they were coming into the game. Would you? Would you agree? Really? Because it, it Warren never looked like scoring for for so long in the game. The red card happened, of course, and I mean, Joe Lumley nearly scored. But apart from that, there wasn't really much to chat about, was there? So, do you think? Or do you think Warnock's pulling below your eyes a bit? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Because I think even if like you know Halilovic had completely fluffed that shot and it went wide and we drew the game and then I feel like it would have been a bit harsher on Reading they had a lot of chances I thought they were very good um, you know a lot of those midfielders were pulling the strings John Swift was really good Ajaria was really good um, you know if they drew that game the fans would have been typical on their back saying like oh, you know, how have we not managed to come out with a win in that game where we've seen it with home games of this season where we've managed to somehow not win um, some of the games after dominating especially in the first half so um, it would have been a bit 
harsh, I think, on Reading not to, to come out with a result there. So uh, maybe he's just saying it because it was only one goal in the game. But I think it was, yeah, the comments are a bit strange. In terms of the game itself, we got our Arnie Pie in the sky and Tom Green um, yesterday. He was at the game to give his assessment on Borough's performance. Hey guys, Tom here, reporting from my travels. Looking forward to listening to this one. Um, I want to make some sort of analogy around the AJ fight to sum up my feelings on Borough yesterday, but we weren't even that good. The best analogy I can kind of make from it is from when I waited 40 minutes in a queue for three pints before the fight. Just absolutely boring, just like Borough were yesterday. We offered nothing going forward. We were too slow coming out from the back. And considering we were playing a team with no defenders who concede the most shots on target anyway per game, I should be baffled by the fact that we didn't create anything. But it all, in all honesty, it doesn't. It, it just seems normal for the moment. I really can't tell where Warnock's coming from with his comments that we've played well, even though we've lost the last few games, or that the lads put a shift in yesterday and can't be faulted. They really didn't, and. I think saying that is a bit of an insult to the Borough fans who made the trip down to Redden for a lunchtime kickoff. They were one positive of the day for me. The support I thought was immense at the start of the game and the crowd did try to get us back into it. it but even when we were nil-nil down, they were trying to encourage us to do something. But unfortunately, the fans can't put a shift in for the players and they were let down. So overall, really disappointing game. And I'm I'm kind of past saying now that we need to improve next game. Because we all know that and we're saying it every week at the moment. It's just, it's glaringly obvious and something needs to change. Okay, so thanks for that, Tom. Uh, now, let's, guys, let's chat about Borough's form. Um, I know we spoke about it on previous podcasts as well. Um, but Borough's form, I'm going to compare a couple of years for you and see how you see what you think. But in 2019, Borough got 43 points. Um, in 2020, after 32 games, so from January to November, appreciate the 32 games, of course, are over a longer period of time due to COVID. Um, but it was 11 wins, 11 draws, and 10 defeats uh, with 44 points. In 2021, uh, so from January to yesterday, of course, um, was 11 wins, 6 draws, and 15 defeats. Neil Warnock has, of course, lost 42% of his Millsbury games in charge um, and won 37% of games in charge of the Borough. Um, the regression has started, of course, um, but... Dan, is the Martin Neil Warnock and Borough's form? Is there a deeper line issue? Well, I think we've just stagnated, almost gone backwards. Really, I mean, um, we just don't we don't really have have an identity, and it's really strange that I mean, Don Goodman on commentary the other day. I do like Don Goodman. I think he's my favourite Sky commentator. But he was talking a lot of waffle over there. Absolutely. <laughs> Recent performances suggest that Millsborough could be in neither playoffs this season. <laughs> we've won eleven in we've won eleven in the calendar year, Don. Mental on it, but yeah, I mean, I, the opposition fan narrative seems to be that you know what you're going to get from a Neil Warnock side. I would really advise someone to come on and please tell us what you expect from a Neil Warnock side because if it's physicality, we're not seeing that. If it's a good set-piece team, we're not seeing that. If it's hard workers... Solid defensively, we're not yeah, saying that. Solid defensively, we're absolutely not resolute. It's uh, we've yeah we've gone backwards and I think that's the most worrying part the fact that there's no as I mentioned last week there's no hallmarks of this team being a, a 
promotion team and surely that's the aim. Surely building on last season is the aim, top six. If it is, then I think Neil Warnock's position has to be under a very intense gaze right now because of just the... Not just the first eight games of uh, nine games of the season, but as you mentioned there, Johnny, the the year as a whole. Um, and if it isn't the aim, then the question has to be asked: Why is Neil Warnock still here? Yeah, well, you're gonna obviously. I think you're hashtag Warnock out now, dear. I think you're, you're near. Well, I, I'm you, I'm officially you, in the club. You, I, you know, I'm 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 fully Warnock out, and I'll I'll say my points in in a second. But after we speak to Dom Shaw, but. Um, Els, would you agree with Dana's points there around like having no identity, not being a typical Neil Warnock side? But also, do you think there is actually is more to it than than just the manager? Because the points per game for like, the last three seasons, from a calendar year perspective, haven't been particularly great. Um, yeah, I, I think I think I do agree with Dana. Um, even when he originally came on board, um, I kind of got slated for that first time of even saying like I didn't really want him to come on board. <laughs> Um, and you know, to be fair, and I, know I never came back. I know people give me backlash because of it, because you know you do have to give people a chance, and we did, and um, you know we did have a good little stint, um, especially last season from the sort of start, August to, to December. Um, but overall, I think we've just became. I see, I've seen the tweet actually. So whoever said this, I'm, I am just kind of stealing your identity, but it is it is true. But um, stealing your identity. I can't remember who it was who tweeted it, but we've they basically said we've just became one of those championship teams that we used to despise. That we've just became a nothing team in the championship. We're just going to languish by like all the other teams do in the past, and eventually they'll get one, they'll get one or two good years where they'll get a good manager in, or they'll change owner. And then they'll have a good recruitment period. Um, but, you know, we're just a, a Huddersfield, a Forest, a Derby. We're not, there's, there's nothing to us in that's the last offensive. couple of years. That's properly offended me, that has. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but I just mean, like, the, even, like, going from Karanka to just, like, skipping through managers like Gary Monk, Tony Pulis, Neil Warnock, Johnny Woodgate, who wasn't even a manager before it, it's just, it just screams like there's no plan whatsoever. Um, and, yeah, for, for me, I just think there's... You know, part of it is obviously he can't go out on the pitch and force the players to to win games. You know what I mean? But he's we've completely revamped the team since when he came on board. It's, a, it's almost a new team, apart from Dale Fry, Johnny Housen, and Paddy McNair. It's, it's a completely new team. Mm. Um, so it, it doesn't really have much excuses to go off, to be honest. So I think we were saying in the car on the way up, me and Dana, that there's not much media attention about his position um and not many fans i'd even say are really on board of, of of getting rid of neil warnock but i think because of the position i think we've dropped to 18th have we now i think if that gets lower by tuesday going in that whole game and um, you know we're both in the bottom four by then which i'm, I'm guessing we probably will be both us and hull with two um, teams being deducted points as well below us with derby exactly and Redden. exactly so um yeah, if if it if we stay around that bottom four or five, coming into like game week fifteen, and then he, he's really got to be under scrutiny of getting sacked because I don't see how that is anywhere near. You know, if we were still mid table, you know, you could still have some um, qualms of being like, well, we haven't progressed from last season, but to go backwards after signing twelve players in the summer is just bonkers so sky were really drumming the narrative that we've been unlucky this season and when you look at our expected goals against it's one of the lowest in the league so i think it's eight point not point eight four eight point <laughs> not that um not point eight four at home and we've conceded what seven goals at home so i mean we're 
were massively underperforming in terms of clean sheets um, and conceding goals, or keeping goals out, sorry. But I prefer to look at it in the way of the build-up to the goals. Yes, the shots themselves, I'm thinking Lyndon Dykes' tight-angle shot going through Joel Lomney's legs, but the build-up to the shots, and again, comes back to the man marking, is incredibly poor. You've got players that are just switching off for that split second, and all it takes is that quick acceleration to get into that space that they've essentially left behind. And then you've got a shot on goal. So. I think that's one thing that has progressed, actually. It's a great point you make there about XG in the past year, that it doesn't take into context everything that happened before it. A quality mm. of shot could be, you know, the quality of shots perhaps just are lower in the championship because of the quality of the players. But, yeah, when you look at the build-up to some of the goals, you can see why the goals actually came about because, the, you know, they've just came from nothing sometimes and the defending's been terrible, people being out of position, not marking and stuff, so... Mm. Yeah, in in Rude Gillett's book and how to watch football, it's um he t- he chats about like mistakes and when when they do occur, and he says that you tend to find the biggest mistake when you're watching football would be that would be like three moves before it actually happens. Uh, so like you could see if like it could be like a third pass before the through ball that gets put in, you know, etc. Et so <laughs> it's that third point. So it's always like look when you look at Bora now and you look at the man marking system, you you can see like little tweaks around Bora's play where so one little switch off here could affect a big. Catastrophic, catastrophic error um, somewhere else and it's 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 very very interesting to watch Millsbury now because I feel like we are just accident prone all over the pitch and it's very very difficult uh, for us to watch but I'm going to ask is it do we have high expectations or is it a case of we just Middlesbrough have became this team that we'd, we've never really wanted to watch anymore because if you look at the points over the time we've been in the championship, so like what ten? I think it's nine, ten seasons now. We've we're in tenth position in terms of average points, so that would signal that we're a top end mid table side. So are we just have we got higher expectations on what we want, or are we just statistically an average team because we don't really tend to challenge? I think it's only been three or four times that we've actually been above the average to yeah. get in the playoffs. Um, I don't think we have high expectations. I just think if you're a team in the championship and you're not looking to get promoted, then what? What is the point? Like that, there literally is not. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not looking to actually like go and challenge and get in the Premier League, which I know at the end of the day, if you take football as a whole, sort of prism and be like, it's not the be all and end all. Um, but you just have that promotion run means you're winning games. If your fans are enjoying going, you're playing good football. Um, you've probably had teams where they've they've not finished in the top six and they've finished top ten, but they've played beautiful stuff. Um, and we've seen that sometimes from Brentford for years where they've missed out. Um, before going up, mm. where the fans will have still enjoyed themselves, even when they originally came up. Um, actually, I'm thinking Bournemouth now, sorry. When Bournemouth came up, I think they finished 12th or 10th, did they, in the first year? And then they got promoted the season after. That That even year of finishing 12th would have been you know, a great year for them um, and for the fans. And I think that's what it, it's got to be about. I don't think we necessarily have high expectations. I don't think most people say um, we belong in the Premier League. When you look over, like, the whole history of the club, I think it's probably swayed towards the championship now, has it? I think we might yeah. have been just had yeah. more premiers than championship, um, but I think it's probably the championship is overtook now. So, yeah. You're going to have to get me scrambling on my laptop. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think it was <laughs> before yeah. that they were very even. I think they were like 50 something years each, and then obviously the one or two years in, um, in the third division. But yeah, other, I think it's obviously outweighed that now, and we are between those two divisions, um, and I think we're probably going to be in and around this division for a long time because the money that's being made in the Premier League and leaving that making that bigger gap between it um is only going to get stronger so 
Mm. Well, let's chat about Neil Warnock and the future of Neil Warnock. Um, but let me give you a little stat before we speak, we speak to Dom Shaw. Um, so in terms of historical managerial sackings at the Borough, um, Gareth Southgate was sacked on the 20th of October. Uh, Gordon Strachan was sacked on the 18th of October. And Tony Mowbray was sacked on the 21st of October. So if we are going to make a managerial change, I'm going to put some money on Neil Warnock on the 17th, so then we'll have the 17th, 18th, 20th, and the 21st, or it could be the 19th. 19th. But we do play Peterborough... It's a weekend just after my birthday. What a nice birthday yeah. present that would be. We do play Peterborough on the 16th, so it could be a, you know, a don't get a performance there. Who knows? History is interesting, isn't it, Ray? But let's speak to Dom Shaw from the Gazette, because we asked Dom, uh, are we coming towards the end of Neil Warnock's reign as Middlesbrough boss? In answer to the question as to whether Neil Warnock is likely to leave Borough before or during the international break, no, I'd, I'd say at the minute that that seems uh, extremely unlikely to me. Now, obviously, never say never. You never know what's around the corner. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow in football, never mind two or three weeks down the line. Um, but there have been no indications from Warnock that he's thinking about going, that he's considering throwing in the towel. Um, I don't think he'd want to end what is you know, increasingly likely to be his last season in football by throwing in the towel in the first couple of months of the season. Um now obviously there's disappointment at every level as to as to how Borough have started this season. This wasn't what Warnock was expecting. And I think you look at the team, I know there's mitigating factors uh in that, you know, we're trying to um get players integrated and there have been some injuries, but still looking at the squad and the quality in the squad, you know, Borough shouldn't be where they are in the table. Um, so it has been extremely disappointing, but Neil Warnock will still back himself to turn things around at this point. Um, you know, it is early in the season, so this campaign can't be written off just yet. The concern is, though, that you know this stuttering form and performance from the end of last season have carried over into this season. There have been more disappointing and underwhelming performances this season than promising ones. Um, you know, it's one win in seven now against a shocking Forest side that proved to be Chris Hutton's last game. So you wonder there whether the players had, had thrown it in and, and that says it all, really. Um, I think what you don't expect of a Neil Warnock team is a lack of identity, but that's the case for Borough right now. You watch them and you don't really know what they are. They've got an array of attacking talent that they're not getting the best out of. But on the other hand, it's not as though they're steely and hard to beat. I've seen, I've seen some critics saying that Warnock's approach is dated but I do have an issue with that in that a year ago his team were ticking along lovely and at Christmas I'm sure I wasn't alone in tipping Borough for a top six spot at least yet how many times did Warnock talk about how he backed his team to really kick on and come good in the second half of the season what he didn't expect was the direct opposite um, but since Christmas, you know, for whatever reason, things have gone south. A point made on Twitter this morning from uh, Rob Scott, and I agree with this. He said perhaps Warnock has too many options this season, and with so much attacking talent at his disposal, he, he maybe feels forced to set up a set up the team in a way that he wouldn't ordinarily. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think. You know, there's no doubt Borough brought in some talented footballers, but and the change in, in strategy is pretty clear, really. Some of the signings are what you deem Warnock players, and others are perhaps not. You know, regardless of how talented they are, it's it's getting them, um, it's it's finding a, a place for them in the team and and making it fit, isn't it? And as I say, finding that identity that Borough are scratching around for at the minute. Um, 
fans have been vocally critical of Warnock on social media. You know, some have called for a change. What I would say is in, in the away end at Reading, from where I was sat, you know, the, the, they were very supportive of the fans there. They, they chanted his name. Um, but the next two games do feel big. You know, Sheffield United on Tuesday, I think other than Fulham on the opening weekend of the season, is Borough's toughest test so far. Borough need to find a result and performance from somewhere. And hopefully the sense of occasion there, you know, United will bring a good following. They'll give a war, they'll give Warnock obviously a, a fantastic reception. Um, hopefully that sense of occasion, the atmosphere, a night under the lights at the Riverside can help because, you know, Borough needs something to spark the season. We thought that was going to be Forest, um, and that's why I described Blackpool as as probably the most disappointing defeat of of Warnock's tenure so far. In that we came away from Forest. Um, regardless of how poor they were, thinking, right, let's kick on now. We've got two games against the Blackpool team that, you know, you should be beating at home and a Reading team that, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. They're in crisis on and off the pitch. You know, you don't need me. I'm sure you, you've discussed already. Um, no centre-halves, no centre-forwards. Um, uncertainty as to the points deduction situation. For Borough to be so timid and lifeless at Reading was, was so disappointing. And then obviously, after um, Sheffield United, you've got Hull. Anything but a win there, given their form, would be inexcusable. Um, and... and you know, it'd be a grim and long two weeks if you go into the international break without at least one win in the next two games. So thanks for that, Dom. Uh, Dana, he said that, you know, it'd be unlikely that Mills could make a change, but are we actually coming towards the end in Neil Warnock's range, you think? In your opinion, of course. I mean... It doesn't help that the fans are, are turning on him as well. I mean, I don't know whether this is going to be brought into the Riverside and that the atmosphere is going to get a little bit anti-Warnock, but there's definitely, especially after yesterday's game, there's definitely been a, a lot more louder calls um, for Warnock to leave. And Dom pointed out there about it doesn't feel like Warnock's approach is, is dated. And I, I hear what he's saying completely, but I think it's dated for this Borough side. I think he's done what he can and he obviously 
it kept us up when I genuinely thought we were going down. Um, but it's got to the point now where he has some fantastic options at his disposal. You only have to look at Andrew Sparrar and the movement that he has. And we're still playing these long balls into the channels. Um, whereas I think with Sparrar, you look at him and you think, right, balls along the floor, in behind. And I know it's, you know, we've we've had, what, four games of Sparrar, but we've seen already that Forest goal and the move before it that if you give him that type of service, he's going to have chances. And there was there were even times in that Reading game where we did. It was just that he didn't really get a good enough connection on the ball. But for the most part, we are playing a style that just doesn't suit the players at his disposal. In fact, I think, I'd say the only the only player that it does suit is Matt Crooks um, mm. because he's obviously fantastic. I think they put a style upon Sky Sports. Matt Crooks is, uh, is one of the most aerial jewels. For us. So I was going to say, this, imagine it was like Sky Sports but it said Matt Crooks is fantastic and then like that was the start. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just giggled. I just Signed kept, by Neil Warnock. Yeah, just cracked, it was popped in my head. That's like cracking <laughs> up on it, sorry. But no, I, like, I, I feel like the, the options that we have now, I'm thinking James Lissaliki, Martin Piero, um, Spira. These are players that are not going to benefit from playing the Warnock way. So I feel like his style is dated for this Borough team. He's taken us as far as he can with it, in my opinion. I'm looking at our fixtures. I can't see where the next three points are going to come from. Um, and for me, I don't think a point is isn't is good enough really now. I think three we need three points to kickstart something. And as Tom uh, as Don mentioned, um, we don't seem to be able to really get a run going at the moment, which is really frustrating. Else. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Dana said, but I don't feel like we're anywhere near it as well. Um, it doesn't feel like enough. There's enough volatile sort of stuff coming in from either the club or the fans. I feel like it's a bit fifty-fifty at the moment from the fans. Um, yeah, I think if it rolls on into Christmas, uh, how it got like with uh, Woodgate and stuff, and it goes into that New Year period, um, and we're still languishing around that bottom three or four. Um, even even not even three or four to be honest, because when as you've mentioned there with two teams with with point deductions, then it kind of makes it seem even worse because they they they'd both be above us on points. So really, it's like you, you, <laughs> your second bottom in that case. Um, but um, yeah, I don't feel like it's it's coming. I don't feel there's enough like from the club, um, especially with all the sidings. They'll be putting it down as you know they've only had a couple of games because a few of them came in on deadline day and whatnot so mm. i still think we'll probably a canny away from that happening so i hope we obviously get some results before then but um coming back to you just one point what dana mentioned there on forest and spara um it plays into the rude hullet theory um dyke seals tackle taverniers pass goal three mm. three there you moments go. There so, you go. i missed i missed that dyke steel tackle mind you bowler did it <laughs> Bowler did Bowler did the trademark dyke steel tackle yesterday. So full back, uh, full back squad coming through there. Yeah, when, when we when we speak about Neil Warnock as well, um, just just to make a point, I feel like he's a very short term fix for a long term plan, uh, very much like that duct tape over a burst pipe. Um, and you're gonna have to change it eventually. But I think with, with him now, I, I can only just see it heading one way, and I, it disappoints me really. I think. When when Neil Warnock comes in, you you kind of want not not success, but you want stability. You want a you can't <laughs> cliche Don Goodman. Uh, you know what you're gonna get, um, and you want you want team to be efficient. You know uh, Neil Warnock's sides are efficient, and the 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 grind out results. We don't do any of that, 
and how of his 66 games in charge I, I can't even think of five maybe where I've came away and thought I really enjoyed that game I really enjoyed it. I was watching it yesterday and I was just so disappointed really disappointed not just the, the lack of creativity I'm just not entertained I'm just sat there like kind of thing what's the point in playing ref do you know what I mean like, <laughs> yeah. so, like, I think it would have been a, a fairy tale if he got promoted for like the, the fin- this final mm. season in football um, I don't think many of us were expecting that but I don't expect a, I didn't expect a, like a yeah. relegation fight if it's going to go that way because that's you know that's where we were two years ago when this we came here to, <laughs> yeah. to stop yeah. Um, so yeah like obviously I don't think many of us were even expecting to get promoted but if we just put together a good season especially with the players we've signed permanently obviously we know the loan players are then going to go back and then you fill in around it and hopefully we don't need to make 12 signings because you have to completely overhaul the squad every summer it's not going to help um obviously every team makes transfers even if it's only liverpool making the the what was it one or two i think that even that they made this season <laughs> yeah. but um you know you've 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 still got to blood in new players um for positions that move on and stuff so yeah i think uh I think that's just all that we want, really, just to see some see some results. I don't expect any of us to go up, but just put together a bit yeah. more of a challenge. I don't think we're a side that will go up. I, think, I know, like I said, judges at Christmas, and I'm still back in that theory. I think the only way you can really get a good picture of Borough is around Christmas time, February, where it's the busiest time of the year, and you know that's when the most games are played, and that's when you get obviously the most points as well. But with, with us at the moment, I, like I'm with you, Dan, I can't see us really getting results to be honest I know mm-hmm. when, when I was speaking to Ant this morning from, from holding back and we were saying that hold I think have won like 8 games in 83 or something in the championship or something and I was just like that is just typical Borough for us to go <coughs> there and get absolutely yeah. spanked well it was um, like the the game Christ who was it under now was it under Neil Warnock where yeah, yeah, we yeah, were completely objecting that no it was under Wigget wasn't it no, it no, wasn't. It was at the it was at the end of the season. Yeah, season. Oh, was yeah. It? so that that's that was the moment we all thought it went because he came. I think we we beat Stoke, and oh, we maybe nicked a, we nicked a draw against someone. I was like, okay, we got you know we got four points here, and you think we were just going to kick on and really pull away from the the relegation zone and Hull were in there around us and they beat us at at their ground, and I was like, how was that? Just I don't think they won another game after that. Um, yeah, but obviously no, they we, didn't. I think we mm. managed to we beat Reading away and mm. stuff, didn't we? And managed to stay yeah. up. But well, it's a, yeah. a good point that you made, Johnny, about you know, entertained and with Neil Warnock's side of play, it's not always pretty football. It's not necessarily mm. good on the eye. And then it's sort of a, a bit of a a double hit really when you're not getting the results either. So that's why I sort of say going back to Dom's point about it it not being dated, that's why I feel like it is because if you're not picking up results and you're playing the way that we are with no midfield build-up, no attacking patterns, no passing patterns, no passing combinations, the fans start to think, well, what are we doing here? And yeah. you, I suppose you can only keep the fans happy if you keep the results ticking over and we're not. And that's that's incredibly frustrating. And then you add yeah. the style of play on, on top of it and it's not great. Mm, that's it. And I think with, with like the options, you know, we, we've got the amount of options that we have on, on the wide, on wide players. So what if we have options there? You know what I mean? You've got to have your principle. You've got your 11. Stick to what is going to get your result. It doesn't matter Like if, you, if you're going to have to leave three or four players out. If you've got a system and it works and you're really... And, and obviously the data backs it and you know how you want to manage a game and your specific style, then go with that system. It doesn't matter. Like Then that's when he'll want to come in and be like, look, I'm leaving you out because we're not fitting the system. This player's playing better for X, Y, and Z. 
that's where he should be making his, his money, really, not to try and shoehorn about five attacking midfielders mm. in just because the fans have sold him. So, do you know what I mean? Well, it goes back to what Elliot said about him being a good man manager, but not a particularly, what it seems anyway, not a particularly great tactician. Mm. Um, because he's this isn't the first time after a window that he's had the options. I mentioned in the last podcast about January when we brought in the wide players. And we all thought that that was the problem with Borough. That, well, not, well, yeah, the problem, I suppose. I mean, we were in good form before mm. then, but we all thought that that was the push towards the top six. We brought in um, Belasco. Cabano, Mendes Lang, Daniel Fisher, I know he's um, a, a fullback, but we brought in wide players and we did go backwards and that's where our form started to turn and that's that's a reason for me that an inexperienced manager should sort of have the pass mm-hmm. off, not a Neil Warnock with how many, I think they put a stat on the screen, <laughs> Sky with their stats. I think it's isn't it like a forty something season as a manager for Neil Warnock. I would expect mm. Neil Warnock to get more out of these players and the options that he has. Yeah, absolutely. I think one interesting thing I've seen from him this year, and we're going probably back to the reigning game a little bit, but we're becoming a lot more expansive as a, as a side, um, which is strange really for a Neil Warnock team because you, every time you see them, especially when you look at probably Cardiff, they're quite narrow. They're very narrow. They're compact, and then when when they go attack, the well, I mentioned the last podcast, they're attacking a diamond. Um, where like your your wide players and your probably your number eight really they'll push up the pitch and they'll create the opportunities and you have your solid base behind that. We don't really have that at the moment. We've got let's just get the ball across the back line, hoof it along ball to Jonesy and see what we what, see what happens. Do you know what I mean? That's exactly what it's like. And I'm I'm very intrigued at what Warnock's trying to do. I don't think I don't think he know well, he should know. I think he he does know behind the scenes what he's wanting to do, but. Whether it's going to replicate that on the pitch or we we do that on the pitch is probably an, another matter, really. We we did have that, didn't we, before we signed Blassi and Co in that January because um, mm. we only had natural ride players. We only had uh, Marcus Brown, who was probably injured at the time. Um, we had Tavernier, and that was it. And we we ended, we resorted to playing wing backs, and mm. we were using the sort of diamond shape in the midfield with um, Savile and and Tav even filling in there in in centre of midfield, and that's. When it was working, we were mm. going away and grinding out mm. results. One nil away at Bristol City springs to mind straight away of a, a really solid performance mm. of of what we've been saying all along of what a typical Neil Warnock yeah. team does. So. Shapes poor. Our oh, shapes really poor. Really poor. When you when you look at us from from previous teams or previous average positions, yeah, average positions. Had to, uh, had to Elliot there. Yeah. Really poor. It's really poor. Um, but, but do you guys do you think that the games against Sheffield United and and Hull are uh, well, crunch time or for Neil Warner's case, a snap, crackle and pop time because he loves the cereal. Uh, so uh, there you go. Gag of the day. Guys both. Um, but do you think it is uh, crunch time or snap, uh, snap, crackle and pop time? Uh, this is, that one this podcast are, is brought to you by Rice Krispies. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like to us fans, it probably is. Mm. But I feel like to the hierarchy of the club, probably not. Um yeah, I think if we if we snag a draw against Sheffield United, I'd be happy with that. Which sounds it sounds depressing um, as a home fan saying it um, when you think of like you know the levels of where where we could be. Um, but just based on pure form and and the uh, players that Sheffield United have, I'd be happy with the draw in that game. Um, and then Hull, I think, is a must win for the form they've been in and the fact that you know the the team we've got compared to theirs um, after just coming back up we should be winning that game so if you look at it like that should be four points but we all know it's, it's never that easy um, so yeah. what was the question again 
is it snap crackle and pop time against uh, Sheffield United <laughs> and uh, against and Hull as well? Well, if we don't pick up a result against Hull, then this should be even more serious questions asked, to be honest, given their woeful form and their woeful start to the season. Um, but I think I agree with Elliot that I, I feel like the hierarchy are probably quite relaxed at the moment. Um, and again, what Dom said, Warnock isn't going to walk, is he? He's not going to sort of tarnish his potentially last season, probable uh, last season in management by um, waving the white flag and walking away. But then at the same time, if after two after two more games, we've still only recorded two wins this season, then we could well be in the bottom the bottom three. So you, there has to be some serious um, questions raised. I think. Okay, well, let's chat about Sheffield United then. Um, and this week, we spoke to Johnny from the Shoreham View podcast to get a breakdown of Sheffield United this season. Hiya, my name's Johnny and I'm from the Shoreham View Sheffield United fan channel on YouTube. So, Borough on Tuesday night, after another win for us against Derby, an hard-earned win, I might add. It's a strange one. A trip to Borough is always difficult, but if we can keep up the form we're in, I I don't see any reason why we can't continue the winning run. I'm sure you'll have a lot to say against that, because obviously you'll not want to lose at, uh, at the Riverside. Neil Warnock never likes losing against Sheffield United. So it, it's got all the makings of a tough game for both sides, really. As far as how we line up, we've, we started off the season with uh, a bit of a 4-3-3. Slav changing the uh, tried and tested 5-3-2 or 3-5-2, however you want to look at it. And it, it was slow starting. It They weren't really playing the speedy football they wanted. Now we're starting to get used to it. We play a mix between a... A four three two one, uh, and that sometimes turns into a four three three or a a four two three one. It's it's very strange. It's very fluid, not strange. It's it's very hard to describe because it seems to fluctuate and change every other minute in the game, which on paper sounds horrific and chaotic, but on the pitch it's quite beautiful at times and can lead to some good attacking football which is something that we've been missing for about a season and a half, and we're actually starting to put the ball in the net, which is something we've been without for a long time. Either way, it, it should be a cracking game, however we line up, really. Players to watch out for, the lonely Morgan Gibbs-White has been sensational. He's just something else, and he really adds a spark to our team. Everything seems to come through him. He's not scared to have a go on goal. He's very athletic, very fast. Very good on the ball. Very very clever player. Reminds me of Matt Phillips when he was younger. The other player to look out for is Billy Sharp. Don't care how old he is, whether he's 19 or 54. Billy Sharp scores goals and he seems to be hitting a hell of a form at the moment. So if you're going to keep an eye out for any player, it's going to be him. Game itself, prediction-wise, you know what? I can see it being a two-all draw. So thanks for that, Johnny. Um, Els, are you surprised at how Sheffield United have started this season? They are on a good run, of course, now under Jakanovic, but were you surprised at the slow start? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think for you know the, the, the players that they have in the team, we'd expect them to have been up and around there with West Brom and Fulham and, the, and Bournemouth. So um, it is a bit surprising, but yeah, I expect them to be you know in the next couple of games. Um, you know, there's not many points between 
between that and the top at the moment, given that there's only been nine games played. So I feel like they'll catch up quite quickly. Um, that game the other week against Peterborough, I think that the beat them six one or six two was it? Um, so that kind of scares me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the quality of some of the players that they've that they've came down with, um, Sander Sanderberg, is that Sanderberg, really, yeah. really springs man. I feel like he's going to control the game very well against us, and I haven't actually seen him play all that much. Um, so I'll be quite interested to to watch him, which seems weird coming from a Borough fan. But it'll <laughs> just be good to see what the likes of our midfielders should be doing. <laughs> um, in all honesty, but. Yeah. yeah, Johnny says, uh, Dylan, that free-flowing, rotating formations, overloads from the wingers, free-flowing football from Jukanovic's side, which they're not used to. Um, <laughs> it normally does take Jukanovic about 10 games for him to get going, but when they do get going, they can't stop. So, But where do you see him at the end of the season? Do you see him up there? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was watching their game against, I think it was Birmingham earlier on in the season, and I was a bit disappointed with them, really. I think that it was easy to, to target them. They were playing wing-backs. Ben Osborne was overlapping. Um, but he was he was um, a particular issue in terms of his height at the back post. Maxime Collin was getting a few um, sort of aerial battles uh, against him. But, I mean, I, I, I typed here, Sanderberg looks a, a cut above. I can see him really pulling the strings against us. There's Morgan Gibbs-White as well and, and Ndaye. They seem to be the, the two... Um, biggest threats for them this season. So I, I'm just looking at their last game. Who scored has the, uh, their formation down as a four-two-three-one? So they've obviously switched. Um, probably, <laughs> probably good for them, but bad for Borough because there was definitely a weakness there in Ben Osborne um, as a wing back. But yeah, I mean they're, they're a fantastic team. They should um, be up there come the end of the season. All right. So what are your predictions for the game on Tuesday night against Sheffield United? <sighs> My heart really wants to say. A draw, um, but yeah, the, the home games, the, the the QPR game and Blackpool game, um, have really put fear in me that I think this is <laughs> going to be quite a drubbing. Um, the the weird thing is with the QPR and Blackpool one, I think is we had a really good start and faded in the second half. I feel like we're, that's not going to go this way this time. So I'm going to say two 0 to Sheffield United. Two 0 Sheffield United, Dana. Um, I can see the same, to be honest. I think that their key players will probably cut us open. And, um, and yeah, the the start and Elliot just alluded to it there about our second halves. Um, yeah, if they get a chance at the first, sorry, at the start of the second half, then that's really going to set the tone for the rest of that 45. So I think their quality is going to be um, f- too much for us. But to be fair, it could be a game that suits us in that sort of man marking, stifling there. Well, maybe last season it would have been, but I don't know. We just seem to be too mm. easy to beat at the moment. Yeah, when we went to Norwich, that was a very good performance for us. But you know, just need Daniel Fisher back, really, don't we? Need Daniel Fisher back, yeah. Pocket account um, well. So two 0 for you as well, Dana. So yep. I'm going to go with I'm going to go two one. I think actually I'm going to change my two one. Two one. Okay, we're both going two one. Yep. Two one. Sheffield United. I think they've just got a bit too much for us. But I'm, I'm ex- the thing is with these games, I'm expecting nothing. So Borough will probably produce the best performance of the season, win six nil, and everything will be rosy on the side. But then on Saturday we are playing Hull City, and we spoke to Ant from the Hull and Back podcast to get all of the breakdown on Hull City this season. Hi there, it's Ant from the Hull and Back podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, quick insight to us. Um, we will only play one way. There is no variation in our play. It's one of our problems with the current manager. Um, it worked last season. 
uh, well, we've been playing the same way since um, relegated, well, relegation from the Premier League, to be fair. You know, we had the likes of uh, Jared Bowen and Kamal Grisicki uh, on the wings. Um, the 4-3-3 with sort of an inside forward on either side uh, worked very well with them too. Um, but <laughs> since selling them, um, it's gone rapidly downhill. Um, I think one of the issues is, is that we should have found another way to play, another way to score. Um, and we kept playing as though we still had them both and obviously eventually went from just outside the playoffs to 24th place in the championship. Now, we incorporated the same system last season and it worked. Obviously, it's a level below. Um, we've got the likes of Keen Lewis Potter and Malik Wilkes on the wings who are very dangerous, like to cut inside and have a pop. They want to get in behind. They're quite pacey, they're tricky. Um, and we've got a high-energy midfield. You know, we had the likes of Greg Doherty, George Honeyman. Um, they're just box-to-box dynamos, um, threats at both sides quite easily. Uh, quite happy to win the ball back, but also be laying the ball on and score themselves. Uh, this season, we've missed Honeyman. So we've we've kind of missed our uh, our main player that, that gave us that impetus to go forward and, and really ask questions. Dockett has been playing very well, but we've had a very... Very rotated team. Um, you know, we've got a lot of midfield options and we've had a lot of injuries and COVID ravages and then we've had a transfer embargo, so we've not had to, well, we've not been able to sign the quality of players that we probably needed to in order to properly compete at this level. Um, we've been restricted to free transfers and loans. I mean, we've still done quite well given those circumstances. We came out the transfer window with nine players. Um, you know we've got we've got some good quality players in there. We we brought Tom Huddleston back, um, Randall Williams, Ryan Longman, Tyler Smith. We we you know we've we've added well. Um, Loney, Deshaun Bernard on uh, from Man United under 23s is very promising, very good. The only issue is we've got a very inexperienced squad. Even with the new signings, they're all young and upcoming. Um, not much tran- uh, championship experience in there at all, barring the likes of uh, Tom Huddleston. Uh, Josh McGuinness, uh, but other than that, you know, we're a very inexperienced team and it's showing. Um, so in terms of what you're going to look for from us, we're going to try, well, McCann would tell you that we're going to try and press high and play out from the back uh, and be on the front foot. Uh, in reality, we're going to be very sideways, very backwards, um, hit the ball long and invite pressure all the game. So, um, you know, at the moment, we're really struggling to score. So if you guys get the first goal, it's pretty much nailed on for you to win. Um, players to look out for in our team, you know, on the day, King Lewis Potter can can give a, a fullback an absolute nightmare. Uh, he scored two already in a team that's only scored five um, across two games that we've scored in. Um, we've got the likes of Malik Wilkes, who was last season's top scorer, twenty-two goals, who's not really hit the heights of last season yet. Um, Jacob Greaves is our Upcoming centre-half, uh, ball-playing centre-half, likes to bring out from the back. Very promising. Louis Coyle in right-back, been outstanding so far, probably one of our best players. But in terms of real threat, we don't tend to have one at the moment. We're hoping Tyler Smith can be um, sort of that player that changes our fortunes, changes our um, look and brings some goals in because he offers something different to McGuinness, who last season was perfect for the role because he held the ball up and he gave it to the other two. But, but you know, Tyler Smith is a is a pacey forward, he wants to get in behind, he wants to really press that defence and, and cause problems and uh, since he's joined and, and the small cameo appearances he's made, um, he's, he's, he's been very good. So hopefully he starts and, and we can kick on from his sort of lead. Um, 
But other than that, you know, we're, we're quite weak and feeble at the minute. We've only scored in two games out of the nine. Um, our championship record under McCann is, is woeful and optimism's very low. So, um, you know, in terms of a prediction for the game, um, I'd, I'd like to think that we could maybe come away with it with at least a point. Um, but the first goal is crucial. I think if we if we score first, we might get a bit of a a boost of enthusiasm. But if if we concede first, there's there's only usually one outcome because we just can't seem to bring the game back at the minute. So, um, so good luck for after this game. Uh, but thanks for having me. Right, so Dana, um, Ant was speaking there. He's saying he clearly not happy with this current style of football at the moment. They've regressed a little bit, whole city. Um, especially with their ownership and squad, but can you can you see them maybe just staying up this season? Hope. Um, not really. No, to be honest. I, I mean, they they're the lowest scorers in the championship. They're bottom of the form table. It, it seems as though they're just not getting it right. Really. Um, and last five, um, three defeats, two draws. It's it's not great for them. I think. They sh- we should beat them, but then again, there's no guaranteed result in the championship, is there? And, and and as always with every team, if you've got a player that can run off the ball, then you're going to get chances against us. Okay, well, let's do predictions then, because it must it's a must win for Borough on Saturday if we don't get a performance on Tuesday. So, Els, are you ex- you're going to the game, of course. Are you, going, are you yeah. expecting a win at the KC? Uh, I hope so. It'll be a great day out, and I think we we sold out the initial allocation, and we've got another seven hundred. So mm-hmm. another great following from from Borough, given the performances. Um, so I think that another another point that I wanted to say, just on um, having what I thought Dana was going to say, was if you have an ex Borough player playing for you, <laughs> we all know what's going to happen. <laughs> Richie Smallwood's going to pop up with the goal. <laughs> oh, I forgot he was there. Um, oh, yeah. Captain, so I think he right? scored on the opening day for them. So. Um, yeah, but uh, I think my feelings will probably change as the week goes on, especially after the Sheffield United game. Um, but right now, my heart's telling me a win um, based on everything, you know, the league, the, the form and everything like that, the, the quality of the two teams. Um, but I don't think we're going to run away with it. I think, you know, we're going to have to grind out some results until we get in, hopefully until we get into a bit of better form. So um, I'll go for a 2-1 win to Borough. 2-1 win for Borough. Dana, are you going to echo Elliot and go for a win? Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say 2-0, a little bit like the Bristol City game earlier at home. Okay, so now I'm going to go 1-0. I think we're going to grind our result out. And then happy days. And you watch, we'll it'll beat, go, we'll be beat Sheffield tonight. Yeah, yeah, we'll get beat a full. Um, <laughs> but let's do podcast questions. So it's obviously every week that you guys give us a questions on Twitter and we answer them on the podcast. So Elliot, I'm going to come to you first. It's from Danny Baymore and he says, if you're an opposition manager, would you look at us and fear us? What ta- what tactics would you use? Uh, yeah, I think you'd be wrong to to not fear us. Um, I still think we've got players who can hurt the opposition. Uh, but I think, as we've alluded to a lot in this podcast, um, you know the the tactics which you have to use to hurt us is if you know that we're going to play the man marking system. Um, if you create overloads and double ups out wide, then you've got space to get in behind. Um, and if you nullify, if you, if you try and recognise pretty early what our main threat is, is um, if you know if Isaiah Jones is playing, um, we're going to try and give the ball to him a lot, um, and we're going to bypass the midfield. So you know that 
you know, the, the defenders are going to have to be up for a, a few aerial duels and whatnot. And I think Sheffield United will be more than more than up for that. So, yeah. Okay. Um, then uh, next question is from Tyne. He says, "Do you do you think Warnock style is really hurting our technically gifted players like Pajero?" It's probably too early to give a definitive answer on um, Piero himself but just given what we've seen of Neil Warnock so far and the fact that as Elliot mentioned there we do bypass the midfield then it doesn't help no I think to have a possession based style would probably be best for the likes of Piero and and Saliki which is funny because again Saliki's passing was was off <laughs> straight in but I'm confident that I'm confident that those both of those players will improve. I mean, the calibre of them. Um, people say, well, <laughs> Piero's coming from the, the Argentinian League, but I think that's a bit of a doing it him a disservice, really, because he's quite clearly a highly um, rated talent. And, yeah, Saliki um, has had his injury problems, but I think he's a top quality player yeah, I think as well. he was playing Champions League football, was he not? The year he before, was, yeah. Was he, he? he played so, it last season. Yeah. I was watching a game, ran against Chelsea. Yeah. Champions League winners, Chelsea. Mm. Well, I think you will come good as well, Saliki. But is it hurting our technically gifted players? I think you just need to get the technically gifted players on the ball, to be honest. That's exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly it. Um, but it seems like we're not doing that. Next question is from Cameron. He says, all of the injuries we are getting are the same type in terms of like muscle injuries. Is there a problem in training and causing all of these? If so, surely that's Warnock's fault. Else, do you think it's Warnock's fault that all these players are getting the injuries? Uh, it's an interesting one. Um I don't think you can really put it down to just one person. It's a, a club philosophy if the injuries are all coming from the same. Maybe it's just you know bad luck and coincidence. But um, if it continues, not really on the fans, I guess, to look in because we don't know what's going on behind the the scenes. But I don't think it's just on Warnock. It's obviously down to the full coaching staff and the um, you know the players physiotherapy and the, play, the players themselves if they're overexerting themselves. We've got enough on the man marking for, exactly. Yeah, it's the <laughs> man marking in it. <laughs> We've got enough. Um, Rotation options now, I think, for people not to be playing week in, week out. Um, so I don't think that's too much of an issue. So I think, yeah, it could be down to yeah to that. You always get more injuries when you're playing bad as well. You've always found that. Yeah, yeah. That, that we, we noticed that the other year, didn't we, with, uh, when it was uh, Woodgate saying it just seemed like yeah. the whole team was either injured or suspended. Yeah, so, <laughs> so. There, you, yep. uh, there you go. Um, next question, it's from John. He says, now we have a head of football. Do Does the decisions of sacking and hiring managers fall with Kieran Scott and not Gibson. Um I can take it if you want. Or do you do you want it? I I, I don't think it falls to, to Kieran Scott no. Um I think he is involved from what we always know usually of director of footballs and that's what they've that what they've called him a head of football head of football. Yeah. I think it's more player based than um manager based. I think it has to come down to the order and that I know you can have other club positions um for the, the managerial stuff and staff as well but um i don't think kieran scott will really have a say in that to be honest okay you want to echo that down or are you you're good yeah, maybe i mean it'll be difficult for him to sort of have that responsibility straight away um maybe somewhere down the line he will have that but he's pretty much just come in hasn't he it, yeah so. depends how influential he is you can't just you know gibson can't just say i'll come in if you feel like we should sack him, mate, we'll go for it. It's kind of like <laughs> he's got to trust. Um, go he's got to trust Warnock and um, his two henchmen, hasn't he? So um, you can't you can't just uh, trust everything that. Um, 
what's his name again? I've got his name now. Kieran Scott. Said, yeah, and he said Neil Scott. I'm thinking it's definitely not Neil, Neil Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I forgot his first name. Um, I thought you were going to say Barry Scott from John Salipa. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd be a good head of football, wouldn't he? Uh, so, yeah, nah, but overall, I don't think he'll really have a say. And I, I hope he doesn't because I don't think it's, it should be down to him anyway. I think um, it should be player-based. Then it continues throughout wherever the managers are. I know that the managers and players kind of go hand-in-hand hand with building the identity of your club, but yeah. Okay, um, next question. It's quite a harsh one. It's from Dave McNally. He says, sorry it'd be harsh, but what competition did Alessandro win to get a game yesterday? Oh, God. I think you won a raffle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, poor game from Alessandro yesterday. Still trying to find his feet at this level, Dana. Not you giving that question to me. Uh, oh, do you want me um, to answer? No, no, it's fine. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting cameo. We'll, we'll put it that way. Um, I mean, he's... It, it, we do have to remember that he was picked up from Billericay, um, which is, you know, they're in non-league. Yeah, so I, I thought his first cameo against, it was Blackburn, wasn't it, where he absolutely dive-bombed Lewis Travis onto the floor. Um, I thought he, there was definitely better attributes in that game, better positives to take from that game. Um, but he didn't have the greatest of cameos yesterday, I don't think. No, I don't think he did either. I think he was quite poor yesterday, but it's very early days, of course. Um, next question is from Jonathan. He says, when was the last time you consistently enjoyed watching Borough play? Els, do you want to take this one? I feel like everybody knows the answer. The Karanki years. <laughs> there we oh, go. Yeah, I was literally talking about it yesterday with a friend just saying, like, you know, in adult lifetime supporting Borough, obviously it's different depending on other people's ages, I guess, but I've had, like, two enjoyable years, which were, were those two years. Obviously, I remember going as a kid to... Um, the games in in the UEFA Cup years and stuff, but I don't think I fully appreciated what it was um, at the time. So, yeah, I'd have to just put down that that was the last time, really. Yeah, all in agreement. Same, yeah, yeah. Oh, easy, easy question. Um, and then the last one of the day is from Liam, and he says, "What's the best one excuse for poor performances you can come up with?" Oh, that Jared Branthwaite's flailing foot sent shockwaves over the Teesside area, knocked out the Wi-Fi. Karen, the receptionist, didn't print off the Duolingo um, documents and that Martin Piero didn't get the instructions to press properly yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can beat that to be perfectly honest I was just going to say something about the ref but I think Dana's won there that's the ref's fault though yeah my personally was the serial one I think um, <laughs> mine was a bit extravagant one yeah I don't, I don't know how to take it no um, I think the mine would probably go for I thought I thought we were really poor today mainly due to us um, eating at 7 o'clock last night <laughs> Um, we we had a steak and I thought it was a bit too much of some of the lads um, yeah. and the, play, the players were probably out all morning putting together yeah. that um, I can't remember this guy's name as well I'm terrible with names um, oh, yeah, the, the, the that, guy, that, the, that narrows it down the coach doing his sink uh, what? Uh, no. It's, it, it, no, it's, it's a kitchen. Was it? It's, oh, Kevin Blackwell. Yeah, Kevin Blackwell. All the lads were helping uh, yeah, Kevin exactly. with his sink, and you know, Martin Pajero got caught with a pipe. And <laughs> <laughs> I, feel t- I feel awful for that. I really do because he's going to play it today. Got a fly in his eye, chipping the keeper. <laughs> that was a funny tweet, that most of it. I'm surprised someone hasn't mentioned something about Gavin Ward. 
somehow managed to wrangle some blame towards Gavin Ward. Maybe he put too much salt on, mm. on a steak or something. Yeah, probably could be. Gave but... Leo a red card and then he couldn't translate for, for yeah. Piero. Yeah. Um... <laughs> maybe maybe one that's going to blame us for our Sparrow chant. That... Yeah, maybe. I, 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 blame disrespect. The, <laughs> I blame the Borough Breakdown for telling teams how we play. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you crackers. I think, I think actually what we do need to change at home is we need to change this like um, the soundtrack that we have before the game. I feel like it's becoming a bit superstitious now. We start off with that uh, the, the the one from the Meme Machine. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I'm terrible. Just just ignore me. But then your no, brain's that. just stopped, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's now there's that one. And then then the next song, I don't know the name of it, but it goes, What is love? <laughs> that one. That comes on just before the start <laughs> of the game <laughs> and the lights <laughs> the lights go crazy. And it's absolutely the oh, worst yeah, atmosphere ever. I don't think ever. we've done that in a while. We have. I don't, I don't think we can, can we? Because of Crooks it. and uh, Jones, I think the ball have got epilepsy, I think. Okay. I, don't, I don't think we can oh. do it that anymore. We we definitely play that Morgue version of the Seven Nation Army. Yeah. The the very inspiring tune yeah. of uh, the very downbeat version of the, the Maybe song. I don't I just just think we need to change the soundtrack because that's just reminiscent of like us <sighs> being terrible. Like we've, ah. Since we've done that, we've been terrible. I <laughs> think. think. We've got to get I've got a feeling on there, haven't I we? Think, yeah, yeah I think, and I've got a feeling as well. I've got that's a feeling rubbish. on repeat <laughs> for like 45 minutes. The, the, re- the thing is, that's never on because we never win. Yeah. So... <laughs> Might yeah. as well play that before the start of the game because you're never going to hear it afterwards. Manifest something. Yeah, the I got a feeling buttons just getting dustier and dustier each week, isn't it? I feel like one day we're just going to have to put on, even if you get absolutely spanked off Sheffield United, just like get that out and get the, the confetti just. Get, yeah, get the, get that song back on and get the the Borough flag out that we were just talking about, the one from the North Stand, and just you know put it mean? just put it across the West. Just have Steve Gibson hold it <laughs> and just move across the West stand up with it. I was say, don't look the north because I'll be the only one holding up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. the east end? Ah, uh, I forget the east end. Yeah. Uh, family zone. We are the east end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not singing it. All right, then. Okay, since you're not singing it, then that's it then. Um, so, one win in seven, 11 in 34, and pressure starting to mount under boss Neil Warnock. It's crunch time on Teesside already as it's snap, crackle and pop. This has been the Borough Doom and Gloom podcast and this has been all of your match day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown.